Hey guys, had to call an audible tonight. A serious health crisis in the family for Fez. And he's going to be completely occupied with it for uh, the week, it looks like. And, you know, he needs to focus on this. And he's fine, but, you know, it's a uh, family member. And all we can do is give him support and, you know, have good thoughts in our heads. And if you wanted to, on Twitter, if you wanted to say, hey, Fez, we're thinking of you, that'd be great. Fezic Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. So I'm going solo here from home. I'm going to keep it short, about 20 minutes. I got I did some extra work here, so this should be pretty good. Combined four double-digit comebacks this week. A lot of comebacks. Sunday night, Titans, Kansas City. Now we have the pregame fourth-quarter win share, which is a stat about controlling the game late. Kansas City won the game only a 52% though win share. That's mighty low. Shows this game was a true coin flip game. Now, if we look at the stats, Kansas City dominated. When it comes to the other projection engines, it comes out where Kansas City should have won by about a touchdown. So the Tennessee cover was uh, clearly warranted. Now, Tennessee, boy, their splits, first half, second half. In the first half, they are behind only the Eagles when it comes to margin. So their lead at halftime, number two in the NFL for Tennessee. And they've had in that first half over 14 points per game scored. That's number five in the entire NFL. They are last in the second half. Tennessee is last, only four points per game, last in the second half. So look at Tennessee in the first half. I think generally they look better in the first half in this game, though they covered the game. How good is Vrabel? I mean, he's winning games, and he's competitive in games. I mean, Malik Willis, a lot of talent, but he's not currently an NFL quarterback. But somehow they had to lead late. And it was really magic for Mahomes. A lot of running and scrambling uh, in high leverage situations. Remember, the Josh Allens, the Mahomes, their ability to run when they need to is key in those high level situations. Now, we talked about Malik Willis. If you look at the passing, every time he dropped back to pass, or every about four times, he would lose a point for the team. So it was more than a quarter point loss of EPA per pass for Tennessee, you might think that's horrible, and it is, but actually Kansas City running the ball was even worse. So if it wasn't for Mahomes running, there wasn't much there, but Kansas City pulled it out, and once again, though, the Chiefs struggle when Mahomes is not blitzed. When they don't blitz him, he struggles. Something to watch out for moving forward. Tom Brady, big comeback, obviously, late, late in that game. But it was a lot of futility on offense. Rams had a 60% win share. It's rare for a team to have more than 50 and lose. They did. But on the other hand, the stats and a lot of the projections all pointed to Tampa Bay. The average, 10 points. They project that Tampa should have won the game by. 
Rams only had four yards in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't get that last first down. Now, why Tampa by 10? Uh, there was about 11 points of turnovers that should have happened for the Rams but didn't by PFF grades. Speaking of the Rams' offense, if you look at an EPA sites, they have splits. 27, this one has different splits on the offense. Things like running, passing, what down it is. Not one of those 27 splits did the Rams have even an average EPA. Zero of 27 average. And on the season, Rams are 29th rushing the ball. They cannot run. Tampa is last rushing the ball. Brady, though, continues the chance to win that division and maybe do something in the playoffs. And it's easy to say, oh, his PFF grade is pretty good, and it is. His EPA on the season is slightly above average, but in the last month, he's 25 in EPA. 25. Actually, the 25 is in the EPA and the uh, accuracy stat combined. It's blended, and uh, advanced guys like to do that with those two stats. And it's it's really the standard. You know, I'd say it's QBR, PFF grade. And the EPA blended with the CPOE, I think it is, completion over expectation. Yeah, that's it. Um, so you blend those two. Last month, number 25 for Brady. And if you look at the guys that were worse than him, there's <laughs> there's not many or any that you necessarily want on your team. So he's down there amongst the dregs in the last four weeks. Is that age or is that just a bad run? We'll see. Stay tuned, as they say. Speaking of a shocker, though, the Jets over the Bills. I mean, I almost pulled the trigger on the Bills, but the the action was so significant, so significant on the Jets late. It closed at 10.5, that game. Um, all four of our models, one of those is uh, one ours as we, we collect it, uh, Kevin Cole, for one, we look at football outsiders. We look at our proprietary stats model and our EPA model. All four of them say that the Jets should have won the game. So this was no fluke, no fluke at all. Josh Allen, before this game, when he was under pressure, he had the most amazing EPA performance. I mean, it was like shocking because in his career, he hasn't been good under pressure and that's a stat that isn't sticky, as they say. It varies a lot with randomness. But he was horrible under pressure in this game. You know, I asked this on Straight Out of Vegas AM. I did a little recap late Sunday. You know, when has Josh Allen proven that he can stay persistent and consistent and win? He never has. Doesn't mean he won't. You could say at one point, I still remember Coach K couldn't win the big one in basketball, and John Elway couldn't win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but he's yet to prove it. And if you look at the first, all the way up to two weeks ago, Josh Allen had the second best QB efficiencies right behind Mahomes. Last two games, it's only two games, but the Green Bay game and the Jets game, number 15. And now he's got... Uh, uh, some type of ligament issue in his arm. We'll see on that. I haven't gotten an update too closely today, so that maybe today, Monday night, uh, 
there might have been some new info that came out on that. Finally, let's look at underdogs across the league. And when I say finally for this game, is the dogs of four more on the season, 44 and 22. All right, that's 66 percent. 44 winners on the underdogs, four points or more, 22 losers. And if you look at touchdowns or more, 20 winners, nine losers against the spread. The dogs are barking. Let's continue. Next up, Dolphins. A win, but not a cover. We had a cover there with the Bears on the Super Contest. Three and two this week. Lost Monday night with the Saints. But here, Miami, 79% chance, fourth quarter win share, so had control of the game. If you look at the projections, one said two points for Miami, the other said three, then one said four, one said five, two, three, four, and five. The luck was pretty even. Two big stories out of this game. One, Tyreek Hill ahead of Calvin Johnson's pace which is amazing considering there was multiple games without their starting quarterback. So to, to think that he's – it's one thing to say 17 games, he'll break the record. He's ahead of the 16-game pace with multiple games with a backup quarterback. And Teddy did not play that well, but he did play. So super impressive. Now, if I was not an Ohio State alum, I would say, speaking of backup quarterbacks, Justin Fields getting a lot of acclaim, and in a way, rightfully so, in that it's a big change from where he was earlier in the year. I would make the case last year Justin Fields was maybe the second most promising rookie behind Mac Jones at the time, and the reason was he had a nice percentage of big-time throws. He wasn't super efficient. He wasn't efficient at all, but he had the potential, the physical tools, and he was showing on the field how they could translate to big-time throws. Well, now he's one of the best running quarterbacks we've ever seen and, you know, breaking the regular season record for quarterback rushing yards, as you guys know. So you could say, RJ, why aren't you more optimistic? Well, tell me, how is this passing? His passing, you would think, would be opened way up. If they're having to commit to stop the run, shouldn't he be doing well passing? It's just not the case. He hasn't shown it yet. There's been so few passes, and there's such an advantage when they do. There's nothing that says this is sustainable. And my question is, has there ever been a quarterback to succeed in the NFL without being at least an above, a slightly above average passer? You know, we can debate where Vic was. We can debate Lamar Jackson. But it's hard to say Lamar hasn't been uh, an above-average passer, you know, maybe just slightly. I've been a skeptic of his, but Justin Fields is not yet that. Can he become that? Yes, but we haven't seen it. So right now, running the ball is going to be somewhat effective, much more effective than the incompetence that there was before. But is this sustainable? Is this a franchise quarterback yet to be determined? I don't hear people asking that question. I, I hear questions about the sustainability, but not about the reality of him, Justin Fields, as a passer at this point. 
All right, next game, Chargers eke one out, though they did have a 63% win share percentage in the fourth quarter, but they did not win the Chargers a single one of the four projections. Not one had the Chargers projected out to win the game based upon the stats, the underlying information. Now, the Chargers, 200-plus yards rushing, 114 yards passing. So another example of a quarterback with the Falcons that's not throwing the ball. Patterson came back, the runner for the Falcons. You know, the Chargers were nine points lucky in this game, and that's what swung it from the projections to the actual win. But keep in mind, Chargers had Allen and Williams, both the key receivers, out for this game. So Falcons started the year covering a bunch of games. They haven't covered. Well, here they, well, Three was out there, two and a half late. This is a push, I think it's fair to say. Okay, Minnesota-Washington, a.k.a. Cousins' Revenge. This is amazing. This came from Mike Sando from The Athletic. (laughs) Second most spending on quarterbacks since 2018. So Green Bay spent the most money. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, the second most money spent on quarterbacks since Cousins left Minnesota. So no bargains. Now, or I'm sorry, left Washington for Minnesota. No bargains. But this is even more stunning. Washington spent the sixth most money during that time on quarterbacks. Except Heineke has started more games than any quarterback since 2018. So they've spent tons of money. No one's been persistent. And or consistent enough to persist. Heineke, though, the most starts for Washington during that period since 2018. Uh, you know, the projection said a small win for Minnesota. Now, obviously, the debate is going to be, and we got to cover at three and a half, the debate's going to be, at some point, do you acknowledge that Minnesota's just winning games? Or do you keep saying, oh, they're overrated? I don't know. I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that analytics guys, they believe that they've got it all figured out. But oftentimes, they're just, listen, here's what you know for sure. With trillions, trillions, trillions of dollars, I don't, it's even scary to say, billions upon trillions of dollars at stake in the financial markets. I'm talking about Wall Street, the biggest banks, etc. And they, in 2008, had a model that was so plainly wrong, it almost it sent the whole entire world into a recession, the Great Recession. Now, do we really think the analytics guys in the NFL, especially the public ones, not on the teams, they, they aren't missing a trick, they're not missing anything? No. So when the numbers are inconsistent or in conflict with the wins, you got to pay some respect, in my opinion, to the wins. Now, if you watch the game and you can say it's because of this flute play and that flute play, okay, for that game, maybe. But when you're 7-1, and one, something is being done right. And you look at the Jags, who have better trends or underlying stats, and they got the win here, yeah. And we'll talk about that game next. They were down 17, uh, the Jags, and... I got to say, 
there was so much Raiders money. It scared me. I mean, I so wanted to play the Jags. This made no sense to me. Now I know, hey, when they were down 17, kind of felt like, oh, thank God. But if you actually look at the fourth quarter win share, 79% chance for the Jags. The models average out saying nine points, the underlying stats, nine-point victory from the Jags. So, yeah, Raiders started fast, but over the course of the game, it was Jacksonville's game. Now, check out this amazing combination of stats on the Raiders. One, they've been up by 17 points or more four times. The only other team this season to be up that much or more, the Eagles. Eagles one, Raiders two when it comes to leading by 17. Now, the rest of the league, when leading by 17, 44 and 2. One tie, 44-2 and 1, straight up. Raiders 1 and 3. <laughs> so three losses for the Raiders, up by 17. Two losses in the rest of the league. But the fact they've been up 17 so much tells you the wise guys had some merit in thinking this was a better team than their record. So much turmoil. Being here in Vegas, you hear the local talk uh, with the coach is after the Denver fiasco, it feels like there just isn't a long leash or leash when it comes to, you know, I guess he doesn't have much equity built up. And that makes sense. McDaniels. Okay. The faultiest final on the board, the Patriots. Now, based upon the luck factors and the models, 20 points off. The Patriots 20 points better on the scoreboard than their actual performance. Amazingly, <laughs> both Kevin Cole and the pregame model had the score projected in this game. 11 Patriots, 9 Colts. Now, how you get two models doing 11-9, I don't know, but it goes to show you there was not much offense in this game. 59 pass attempts combined between the two teams, less than 300 yards passing between the two teams. That is pathetic. Pats had nine sacks, and obviously Reich loses his job over it. If you looked at the EPA on the offensive side, it was actually a 1-in-500 type game, about a once-in-season bad performance, not for the team, but for the entire league for the Colts. They did not convert one third down in the entire game. Okay, the second biggest faulty final of the week, and this is a shocker. It was a favorite that was supposed to win by more. The Bengals won by 21. The models say they should have beat Carolina by 35. Now, that is rare. Best offensive performance of the entire week for Cincinnati without Chase. And they were the only 100% fourth quarter win share team. The only one. You know, I was tempted to play Carolina, but when it dropped to seven, I didn't. Obviously, I'm happy. But it goes to show you a team when they're playing great is never quite that good. And a team that's playing bad is never quite that bad. And you've got to remember that uh, Carolina's defense gave up seven rushing touchdowns the entire season up to that game 
They gave up four to Mixon alone in that game. Wow. It's talking the Bengals against the Browns, then against Carolina, and the Texas Ranger <laughs> might get canceled. Let me tell you, I was buying in, but PJ, bad game, bad, bad game. Baker came in and looked pretty good, actually. Um, you know, yeah, I'm gonna wait for that on the Green Bay game. I got one more thing on Justin Fields, but I'll wait till the Green Bay game to talk about that. Okay. By the way, Baltimore, who won Monday night, we won't be reviewing that game, won tonight, but they have the Bengals and then eight other teams they play this year. Those teams are a combined 20 games below 500 so far this season. So Baltimore with a extremely easy schedule of note for the Bengals as they fight for the AFC North. Okay, a few games, two games to go. Seattle, Arizona. Seattle, 86% win share in this one. Very impressive. i got to be honest with you. I thought this was a, a tough spot for them. They were taking their bows for the win the week before. Arizona had been playing a little secretive. It was secretive in a way. It was undercover, but they were playing better since Hopkins came. They were playing better early. And this was an example where everyone was talking about Arizona's bad early, Seattle's good early. Well, as you could guess, Arizona wins the first half. They lose the game handedly. Like we said, 86% win share for Seattle. Now, I'm surprised that next week's line, Tampa and Seattle in Germany, and right now Tampa two and a half. I like early. I like Seattle. It's as Fez calls it the asymmetric risk, where I'm going to wait because if I can get three, that's so much bigger than losing two and a half to go to two. So I'm I'm willing to wait because there's a big reward if it falls our way if it does go to three. But I do like Seattle in that matchup early. Okay. Now, Geno Smith played a fine game, even though he had a pick six. But this was fascinating. I'm doubling back to Fields for one second. In his first 16 starts, Justin Fields, when it comes to design runs, runs that were intentional, not scrambles, in 16 games, he had 26 of those runs. Many players during their first 16 games had more than that. One of them, Geno Smith, had 27. But now, in the last three starts, he's had 21 Justin Fields design runs. To me, it's an indictment of last year's coaching. It's somewhat an indictment of earlier this year that the guy looks so good. We don't know the longevity of it, but he looks so good running the ball. And prior to this, they really didn't let him run. Okay, Green Bay, Detroit, final game. This is a good example of the difference of what happened on the field, which is our efforts to describe it. And then it is what should have happened or what's going to be likely repeatable. So imagine like a flea flicker type play on the kickoff. That's going to count on the scoreboard. That happened. But is that repeatable? Mostly not. Mostly not. So what actually happened on the field here? was different because Green Bay, though they hardly scored, they drove effectively nearly every possession down into Detroit territory, down uh, inside the red zone, inside the 10, and multiple interceptions from Rodgers. Now, is that going to repeat itself? 
maybe, but the performance statistically was not as bad on the field as you would. Well, in a way, the scoreboard is the ultimate story on the field, and it looks like Green Bay was horrible, but I would think there's more optimism for them because of the yards. For example, they dominated yardage-wise against Detroit. Um, This is pretty amazing if you look at the lines in the second half. If you look at week 5, 6, 7, 8. So 8 just ended. So 5, 6, 7, 8, 4 weeks in the second half. Not the fourth quarter only, but the second half, third and fourth quarter, the Lions have scored the offense one touchdown, zero field goals in four games. So that's effectively two games, right? Because you got two quarters times four, eight quarters, two games. In two games, they've scored seven points. That is, well, it's something that if you're fading Detroit, you've got to look to play against them in the second half, I think. And if you're looking to play on them, I think you've got to look first half. Uh, they did have a 77% win share in that game. And by the way, Green Bay at home with McCarthy coming back, Dallas right now a five-point road favorite over Green Bay. Okay, so no market report this week. Um, obviously, we just did the recap, or I just did. Do me a favor. If you like Fez, shoot him a quick little message. It might cheer him up a little bit. Uh I think the plan is he's out the entire week. Now, if you are a subscriber, um, the sales team, have, has, are, are, they're putting together an alternative that is so sweet. You're going to wish – you're not going to wish Fez misses more, but let me just tell you, you're going to be happy about this. We'll be back with the whole crew except for Fez on Wednesday, and we're going to do stuff a little different, a little more competitive. Without Fez, we're going to kind of shake things up a little bit. So talk to you then, and we'll be back next week with Fez for both the market report and the recap that comes out Tuesday morning. Talk to you this week.